I've been fortunate to work with some incredibly high achievers and the best of the best I've always found have a particular awareness of who they are, what they do, and why they are here. Those three things. They're aware of what they do, you know, in terms of the professionally, the strengths and limitations, and they're aware that they don't let the limitations hold them back. They're aware of who they are personally, their personality, and when they're at their best. And then they also have this, you know, bigger purpose that they're particularly aware of. And that's always at the core. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. Dr. Fergus Connolly is one of the world's foremost human performance thought leaders and influencers and has applied performance science to professional sports teams, military special forces, business teams, and entrepreneurs. High-performing individuals push themselves all the time in business and life. They try to do more, be better, help others, and keep going and going. Alcoholism, drug use, depression, and breakdown is prevalent among entrepreneurs, but no one wants to talk about it. Fergus Connolly does. I am super excited, especially in this time of challenge that most of the world is in here with coronavirus, to have Fergus Connolly on this program to talk about these important topics. Fergus, welcome to the show. Corey, thank you very much for having me. So, Fergus, um, you know, before we get into what you do and, and how you can help people in these times and, 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 you know, how it has some tie into deals, I want to just take you back as a little kid, maybe 8, 10, 12 years old. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because my guess is a, you know, the, uh, the world's foremost human performance you know, thought leader and influencer was probably not it at that age, but you tell me. <laughs> not with my accent. I did not expect to be speaking to you, you know, 20, 22, 23 years later. You know, I think I was going to be a teacher in a small village in Ireland along the border and, you know, beautiful rolling hills, as all of your listeners can imagine. That's what I, that's what I thought I was going to do. But I started on a journey that, you know, I stayed at university, did a, a master's, a PhD, but I ended up starting work in Premier League soccer, international rugby, took me to the NFL, some work with special operations groups, uh, San Francisco 49ers, University of Michigan, and, and then with business leaders. And yeah, it's been a journey so far. It hasn't always, hasn't always been up though. There's been plenty of ups and downs, which is uh, what I'm looking forward to chatting with you about. Uh, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's the entrepreneurial journey. So one last, uh, one uh, other question sort of about the, looking back, um, what was your first real business? How have you described, define that? Oh, um, my first real business w- would have been 
I was essentially always working for professional teams. That was, you know, at, at the very beginning. And so, yeah, working for some of the biggest sports teams around the world. And that was my first exposure, you know, to like moving from teaching into the business world and then eventually working for myself. I love it. So, and, and listen, you know, what an experience. I mean, because when you're dealing with sports teams and, and certainly, you know, the military as well, I mean, the the concept of, of needing to be in a high performance state and on your game and, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, is, is such a part of that culture and a necessary part of those cultures, right? Yeah. And I started, you know, it's kind of like, it's really, it's hard to explain. You start as a young kid and you watch, you know, superstars on ESPN or whatever. And then, you know, in your early twenties, you find yourself in a locker room coaching and helping them. And it's shock in one sense, but then it becomes suddenly normal. And you are surrounded by high achievers, both coaches and players, still in military. And you just become, you know, immersed in a high performing environment on every single level. So uh, it's sort of the lead in, uh, you know, uh, to the meat of, I think, uh, what would be valuable here, especially in these times. You know, so those of us who are fans of these sports teams or looking in from the outside, you know, usually see, you know, the best in the, in the high performance end of this. And then, you know, maybe only occasionally if some athlete gets into legal trouble or it's some major incident, do we see anything go wrong? But, you know, what's, what's the truth of the situation when you're dealing with high performers? Uh, you know, we mentioned in the intro things like, you know, depression and drug use and alcoholism and those kind of things. And, you know, so, so you know, tell us what really happens uh, in those environments and also in, in high-performing business environments. Yeah. So, you know, over the last few years, I've really focused on, you know, what, is the, what are the common themes? And, Corey, they're the themes, the model, the high performer is the exact same in those three areas, whether it's sport, business, or elite military. And, you know, I was somewhat aware of it, or I thought there might be, but it was actually only until I had my own burnout and own struggles myself that I suddenly saw the common theme. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I, I worked in I worked in soccer and I saw some guys who I thought might be struggling. You know, when you start early in your career, you're not quite aware of it. When I worked in the NFL, you know, I worked for the San Francisco 49ers. We had different guys who got in various types of trouble. And the funny thing was, well, it's not funny, but I spent a lot of time putting in place a model and a system to help us, first of all, identify what symptoms, you know, some of us might be seeing and others might not as a, as a coaching staff, trying to identify what the actual foundations of those were and trying to address them so that we could prevent these things from happening. And, you know, later on in the college program. But, you know, I, I really only realized what the risk factors were when I myself burned out, got a DUI. And, you know, I didn't see it. I, w- I was looking after everybody else. I was able to spot it in everybody else. But like many of your listeners, sometimes you just can't spot it in yourself. And, you know, that was a huge wake up call for me. But what it did as well was it gave me the opportunity to take time to stand back and go, how did it happen to me when I'm supposed to be the expert? You know, that was a WB Yates talks about a terrible beauty was born. It was a, a terrible way to learn something very, very important. So, yeah, let's talk about some of those deep lessons that you, you know, you learned. I mean, because, uh, listen, I don't want to, um, you know, 
we're in a challenging time right, mm-hmm. around the world right now. And, you know, I think there are two extremes that come out of these times. There are some people who actually are able to uh, stay grounded and focused and in a positive place. And then they see opportunities, including, you know, some of the best deals, some of the best business opportunities, some of the best companies have come out of uh, recessions and other challenging times. And on the flip side, there are people who really, you know, break down mm-hmm. and these times, you know, so, so, you know, coming out of your own experience, you know, what, what did you learn there that can really uh, make the difference uh, for the two routes that, you know, two extremes and that uh, some people may be dealing with right now. So Corey, let me tell you, imagine this. I'm in, uh, I'm standing in my apartment. It's four days after, you know, I, I get a DUI and I get in serious, like for me, my world was collapsing in around me. And I remember exactly where I was standing I'm looking out a window and my phone rings. It's a Navy SEAL who I'd worked with, who was somebody who I had, you know, the greatest admiration for. And I was like, I was struggling. I was just, my, I felt everything was falling apart. And we picked up the phone. He asked me, you know, what had happened? He had heard what happened. And he said, why didn't you call me? And I said, I'm not going to call you. You've, you know, you've done all these wonderful things. I'm not going to lean on you. And man, he told me of some of the struggles and difficult times that he had had And within minutes, he literally turned it around. And what he said to me was, he said, this is opportunity. And I'll never forget those words. And it's changed my outlook on all of every time that struggles or even this exact situation we're all in. He said, this is opportunity. And that's always been my mindset since then. And, you know, when I look back on it, you know, what I did was a terrible thing. It was foolish. It was reckless. The good things that came from it were, I learned to run towards problems. I learned to see them as opportunities. Like I spoke about in my TED Talk, it was, you know, you have to run to the gunfire and see this as an opportunity, as a learning experience. And that's one of the most important lessons I think people need to look at in this. It's all of, it is about the mindset you adopt when something like this happens. Yeah. So what are some of the tools that people can use to keep in that good mindset or if they're in a bad mindset already to get out of that and shift it? Well, the first thing is when you sit down, you talk with people and they go, oh, this is terrible. And, you know, this is a setback and whatever. If you sit down and actually go through your own life or sit down and go through it with someone, some of your greatest growth, some of your greatest opportunities, some of the greatest changes that you've made in your life have come directly after what you see as a setback. You know, when you sit down and think about it, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the relationship you're in now. Maybe it came after a terrible breakup. Maybe it's the business that you started actually started out of, you know, losing your job in another one. Sometimes people who lose their job decide, well, I have no other option but to set up my own business. And sometimes we tend to look back on our life with rose-tinted glasses. And sometimes we forget about, you know, we see these wonderful things that we've done, but we forget that most of them were born out of what perhaps at the time were setbacks and what we might term as failures. And that's one of the most important lessons I think that you have to take from, you know, this particular instance, it's, you know, or this particular situation that we're in now. Yes, it's difficult, um, but there is a lot of opportunity out there. And, you know, I've had this conversation over the last week with quite a few people. I'm spending a lot of time helping uh, very successful people find opportunity in their personal life. Yes, their business life, but particularly in their personal life. That's powerful. And I tell you, listeners, it's interesting uh, uh, because Ferguson Medica, so we, we, you know, we got on um, 
before we started recording the podcast and just, you know, had a, had a conversation and because uh, um, Fergus and I have not had the pleasure of knowing each other before this, but, uh, you know, this will be the start of a, a relationship here. I got introduced to him for, by a, a common friend. In fact, um, uh, Lee Hayes, who's, uh, who was on uh, an episode just, uh, you know, several weeks back, was it was our connection. And, um, he, you know, he asked me how things were going, you know, from the end, what was going on. And, uh, and really, I just sort of by default went to what I was grateful for. You know, I was grateful for the fact that I wasn't in New York and my wife, you know, wasn't because we have places on both coasts. That I wasn't in New York and she wasn't in California, which was possible because of my travel schedule that got changed because I was actually a little sick before even Corona hit. You know, that I, we weren't separated, right? You know, I was grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I was grateful for the fact that, you know, I'm used to working virtually. And I was grateful for the fact that, you know, my clients are still going ahead with the deals for now. And so, you know, and he pointed out that two things. One, you know, that I focus on gratitude, but two, that most of it, even though I did mention my clients as one of them, that most of what I listed was personal of what I was grateful for. Yeah. So, you know, and this isn't something actually I've spoken about before. So, you know, after my failure, I was, I, I had a lot of time on my own to think. And again, adopting that attitude of going, okay, this is opportunity. I had a lot of time to sit down and look at myself and go, why did you screw up? Why did you not have good people around you to look out for you, to put an arm around you? And, you know, in times like this with a lot of my other clients, it's okay. You have an opportunity to either work on your health, work on your fitness, work on your sleep, small things like that. And one other thing that I would really encourage people to do, and this I find is one of the most powerful things, when you know some people have gratitude lists, they write them either at night or in the morning, I always encourage people to write down gratitude for some of the difficult moments mm-hmm. because that changes your mindset. Now you're not just looking at things that make you happy. You're, you're looking at the things that were difficult today and you're going, okay, that's been a difficult moment, but I'm going to find opportunity in that. And that's what's going to help me continue to improve because that's what builds resilience. It changes your mindset. You don't necessarily see things as setbacks. You see them as opportunities that were put in your way to help you grow. Yeah, I so believe in that. And, you know, um, whether people, I know, you know, people are all in different places. I, you know, I tend to relate to it as the universe, but whether you call it the universe Mm -hmm. or or energy or consciousness or, you know, whatever, I I do believe in that statement that, you know, it's usually stated as God, you know, God wouldn't give you anything that you can't handle. You know, the other way I look at it, I think things happen to us for a reason, you know, and human form, we're here to, to have the opportunity to grow from them or not. And I think we all grow to some extent, but some of us, you know, really take those lessons in hand. I mean, listen, I look back to the 2008 recession, you know, I didn't have a lot, of, even though I was successful in business, I didn't have a lot of cushion monetarily. And, you know, things, I really got devastated in that time and, and then had to come back from being a lot of debt and I paid it all back and came back. But, you know, I am in a much stronger financial position now. I mean, I make more money, but it's much more so because I've shifted in terms of my relationship to building wealth and, you know, and keeping money. And that was a lesson out of one of the toughest times of my life, you know. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Nine, so it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think, like I said, sometimes we don't look back at the setbacks and see, you know, the opportunity that came from it. Sometimes we have uh, rose tinted glasses and there are always opportunities in difficult moments. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to join our DealQuest Dealmakers community and our upcoming Zoom event, Conversation, Connection, and Cocktails. We're doing this every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can sign up at 
coreycupfer.com slash CCC event. That's coreycupfer.com slash CCC event. You'll have a chance to engage with other business owners, leaders, and executives to hear more from them about their greatest challenges and most effective strategies for growth in these challenging times. Now back to the show. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, so what you're doing now with business, um, you know, leaders specifically, how, how do you work with them? My main focus is on how to sustain success because I think that currently, you know, and I've had this conversation with so many of them. I joke, I can take your business over and run it for three years hard and we'd see a jump in profit, but that is not sustainable. So how do you build a business you know, how do you create, you know, deals with your staff, with yourself, you know, long-term so that you can sustain business. And a lot of it is about bringing awareness to the different aspects that are, they can continue to improve and creating that environment. And, you know, you actually used a beautiful term. I think you used the term where you improved your relationship with different things. And Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of it is. It's about, and at the core and I've worked with, I've been fortunate. This is not a, I've been fortunate to work with some incredibly high achievers and the best of the best I've always found have a particular awareness of who they are, what they do and why they are here. Those three things, they're aware of what they do, this, you know, in terms of the professionally, the strengths and limitations, and they're, they're aware that they don't let the, the limitations hold them back. They're aware of who they are personally, their personality, and when they're at their best. And then they also have this, you know, bigger purpose that they're particularly aware of. And that's always at the core. And that's what, you know, with people who end up, you know, coming to me for help, it's very often they're struggling in one of those areas. And it's just bringing that authentic awareness to them so they can find and help themselves. You know, in the simplest sense, it's about holding a mirror, just to moving the mirror slightly so that they can see all of those pieces. And I love that. I mean, I love all of it, but I I especially love that piece on, you know, uh, having a bigger purpose, uh, because that's something I really, really believe in. In fact, my wife published a book just a few months ago called The Calling, and it's all about, you know, finding your purpose and and then applying it in a successful business that helps you stay true to who you are, get paid, meaning having a successful business model, and then do good and make a positive impact in the world. And, you know, for me, I think, uh, you know, I find people that I work with, you know, whether it's as an attorney or a consultant speaker, when I do my workshops on negotiating, whatever it is, you know, it's easy to get hung up in the fear and in the, or even in just the mundane details or get stuck in something, you know, even in normal times and certainly in challenging times has always been the most powerful tool for me is knowing that I'm part of something bigger, that I'm, that I'm here to serve and I'm here to make a difference and I have a purpose in life. I mean, that's been one of the biggest things that's helped me get through any challenging times. Corey, I couldn't have put it better myself. Like people, you know, I, I've seen so many people. I, w- I was fortunate to work at the 49ers. I use this example, like people think, oh, well, you know, they question how important the, one's purpose is. And one of my very good friends was Chris Borland, who played at the 49ers. We're still good friends. And, you know, I've, in my next book coming out, I, I talk about it, but he felt his purpose wasn't in football and he decided to like, to lead, like nobody walks away from the NFL, but he did, right. you know, you just don't do it, but he did. And I, and that to me is an incredible moral courage, moral strength. And I have so much respect for him as a person for deciding, like, again, this goes back to, like I said, awareness, 
And it's wonderful. Your, your books, sorry, your wife's book is called The Calling. And yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick that up because this is such an important part. And I find people are going into work and they know that there is a misalignment. Very often it revolves around this idea of purpose. And so my goal is always to help people not find happiness, but find contentment. Happiness mm. is fleeting, but contentment to find that peace. And again, this, when you find people who are you know, truly, th- that to me is a definition of success, is finding that contentment because things will not always be perfect. We live moments like this in the world where, you know, where we're struggling or whatever, but it's to be content and to be able to find that contentment because when you're content, you can adapt to anything that's being presented to you. That's why at this moment, people, you know, it goes back to the Darwin quote, it isn't the strongest that survive. It's those who are most adaptable to change. And that's part of being able to su- sustain success. Are you adaptable? And it's really interesting because, you know, I'm so steeped in the entrepreneurial community, whether it's, you know, my client base, uh, you know, myself, I've run a business since I'm 15, you know, super active for over a decade in the entrepreneurs organization community. And, you know, on the one hand, entrepreneurs pride themselves on being adaptable, supposedly, right? And a lot of them mm-hmm. are, and, right? yes. and, you know, and thinking on their feet and being able to figure it out and, and not needing security and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, 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 you know, a lot of that's true in one way, but, you know, in other ways, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a um, sort of a, a you know, a, a culture that we all say we buy into, uh, which has some truth, but also sometimes it's not as true as it's made out to be. No, that's very, very true. And you, I call it, you know, stable instability or, or a resonance. You're constantly vibrating and you find a contentment. However, it's when that, you know, I call it the delta or the differential, when that becomes too big and you don't have plasticity, in other words, you're not able to come back to normal or keep control of it, then you have, you have a problem. And one of the things that, and I, I, I want to share this particularly with your listeners is, you know, I burned out, and this is the irony, I burned out when I had nothing to do. So I, you know, I had spent four weeks alone in my apartment, not knowing whether, you know, what my future was, what my job was, and that's when I cracked. And this was the great irony was I was happier being under pressure and working 14-hour days and getting up at, you know, 3.30 and going every single day. I was more content and I was able to sustain that. But when I had to sit at home, for four weeks with uncertainty, that's when I cracked and I didn't reach out. And, you know, I would encourage anybody who's feeling like that, watch my TED Talk. And I, I didn't come on here to advertise a TED Talk. But the moral of the story there is that anybody who is feeling discomfort or that, who are your sheepdogs? Like, who are those people that you can pick up the phone and talk to authentically, you know, and share your struggles? Because I guarantee you, there are plenty of people who are at this moment in time feeling a little bit concerned. And my advice is always pick up the phone. I do it now. So my buddy, um, Navy Sanders, lots of others, I have six or seven people on speed dial. And when I feel any bit of uncertainty or anything like that, they are the first people I call. And I get into the habit. I actually did it this morning. I went for a walk with my dog in isolation and I called three of them. Just It was as much for me to check in with them and see are they doing okay as much as to touch base. And I think it's something that you know, I actually think women are much better at it than some of us men, Corey. Let's be honest. No question about it. I mean, listen, obviously, every stereotype is not true across the board, but in general, <laughs> women are more naturally, naturally relational than we are, right? You know, and, and correct, also, correct. you know, also from a societal point of view, and, and listen, I, I've evolved on this. 
you know, I mean, when I was in my 20s, early 30s, whatever, I had to figure it out on my own, right? You know, uh, if I was a man, I would, <laughs> yes. you know, I had to, you know, it was on my shoulders. I should be able to figure it out. And, and I remember when I was, so, it was somewhere in my 30s and, you know, and I'm well into my 50s now. Uh, it was somewhere in my 30s that, that I figured out that, one, you know, like I had so much to prove, right, when I was younger. And I said, okay, all right, so even if I could figure it out on my own, right, this is not even in a crisis situation where, like, I couldn't even figure it out, right? But even if I could figure it out on my own, why? Like, why not take some support? Why not build a team? Why not have people I can confide in and get their wisdom and their input? Like, why not take the easier route, right, and learn from other people's mistakes, you know? Like, you know, it's all ego. It's all like, you know, like, let go of that, right? And that's even in good times. And when it comes to times of crisis, it's even more crucial. Oh, so much so. And, you know, again, I, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way. And, um, but I was, and again, I was so focused on, you know, how can, what happens with these other people? And again, it was, um, for me, it was a difficult time, but, you know, I had to look at it as an opportunity. What could I learn? And I think there are people at home now have, you know, they're, they're at home, they have to work from home and they've got an opportunity. Like, what can I fix? Like, you know, maybe now is the best opportunity to build this little bit of exercise habit or routine. Maybe now is a great time to do some self-reflection. Maybe now is a great time to read some of those business books that I wanted to. Like those people who see this as opportunity are going to find a great growth period either during or immediately after. And, and it's, you know, yes, it's difficult and it's a very difficult time for some people, but you know, there is something to get excited about here if you choose to look at it like that. You know, I so agree. And it's, uh, you know, I remember years ago when I read Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits Highly Effective People and he had this concept of sharpening the saw, right? Like, you know, yes. you've got to take time to sharpen the saw. And, you know, this is a huge time to do that. I mean, I'm spending time building out new programs that I'm going to, you know, uh, on my speaking training and consulting company side. I, like I just did a, I did a three-day virtual webinar. I was in front of the computer for 30 hours over three days, which I thought would be brutal. And it actually wasn't because I was so excited and engaged. And, you know, it was an event that was supposed to be done live that we couldn't, you know, couldn't be done live. You know, I built out this whole new product suite, whatever. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not going to talk about it now, but I'll I'll launch it when it's appropriate and when there's time, but I know it's going to make a big difference for people. I didn't have the bandwidth and the time to do that, you know, when I was traveling. I mean, fortunately, we remain busy in the business uh, to date, but, you know, I have six flights that I canceled, right? You know, so just being in one place, you know, it's given me, uh, you know, this time to take advantage of doing that as an example. Yeah. Um, and, and again, some of your listeners may or may not be aware of the Stockdale paradox, which is after Jim Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war. And, you know, he was asked during the difficult time when he was in, in captivity, which people struggled the most. And he was a great believer. He had studied at Stanford here at Stoicism, but he was asked which group struggled the most. And he replied, oh, that's easy. The optimists. And so, and his point was, they always expected to be released next week, the week after, and that constant expectation of success, you know, let them down. So the point is, listen, there is opportunity. That doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Like, I mean, I've, again, like you, I've lost business, I've lost work, but I can't focus on that. I have to keep that balance between, yes, it's, it's realistic, like realistically, it's difficult, but I have to choose to find the opportunity you know, to keep that momentum going and be pragmatic about it. Otherwise, you know, you will get caught up in this spiral. So it's not saying that everything's perfect, but let's find the opportunity. Yeah, and so folks, you know, as we relate it to, you know, being successful as entrepreneurs, obviously this affects everybody, uh, you know, personally, at this time of COVID-19 or coronavirus or any of these other times where we've had challenges. 
you know, but as entrepreneurs and business executives who are building companies, you know, really this could be a time that there may be market conditions. Obviously, if you own a restaurant and you're in a, you know, in, a, in an area which most of the country in the U.S. and certainly in a lot of the other places around the world, where there's a shutdown, you know, uh, and maybe you can only do takeout and delivery, you know, your business is going to be significantly affected. That you don't have control over in terms of the what's legally you know, allowed and not allowed. But you definitely have control over your relationship to it and what you do with this time. And I think this is a crucial time when the um, trajectory of your business can be brought much further down if you give into uh, being in a negative place and let it you know, stop you versus companies that you know, take the opportunity. And uh, we'll do some other podcasts around specific you know, kinds of deals people can do in tough markets. And, but even if it's just growing your company for that eventual you know, succession uh, exit externally, internally, you know, these are crucial times. And, you know, so one of the things, you know, we've been doing on the podcast lately is I'm trying to bring some content that's not, you know, specifically about deal structuring, but really can affect, you know, deals and success in business, uh, but is much more timely to the time. I mean, a couple of, you know, on episode 63, we had Manuel Pistner, who's built a virtual business with 150, 60 contractors from around the world, you know, has not been dependent upon uh, local folks. And, is up and operating now. So, you know, a lot of us have had to move to virtual. You know, here on this, uh, you know, I think it's it's so important the work Fergus is doing and, you know, and how we deal with these times as high performers. So, Fergus, before I um, give you an opportunity to let people know where they can reach you and also ask you my last question, just any other, you know, final sort of thoughts or tips or uh, things that people should be thinking about in this time, you know, in terms of keeping them in the best mental state and position and and, to, and being positioned to take advantage of as much as they can of this as opposed to letting it, you know, drive them under? Well, I think, you know, the most important time, particularly now after, you know, between 10 and, and two weeks together is, you know, being aware of, you know, everybody else in, you know, in, in your family or your loved ones that you're with. And being aware of them, because sometimes we tend to focus, you know, excessively on ourselves and trying to, to just be aware of where they are, you know, as we're, everybody's li- living together and in slightly more crowded conditions than we're used to and finding those opportunities. I think, you know, you will find a lot of people will, you know, grow a lot closer together over time over this. So, you know, there's the, your own opportunities, yes, to get healthier, to work in business stuff, but also just to spend the time with the with the loans that maybe you get. Because when this is over, hopefully in, you know, between four, six weeks or maybe sooner if we're fortunate, you know, it'll be back to business as usual and you won't get to spend these moments with, you know, with your loved ones and to reflect. So, you know, I would definitely, you know, take that time and also, you know, every now and again, reach out and find somebody who, you know, who might be on their own and might not have that that company to, you know, just check in on each other because you can build just like you and I, Corey, you hadn't spoken before today, you know, you get the opportunity to connect with people and build relationships that you, you know, you wouldn't, you might not normally get the opportunity to do. Yeah, that's, that's such great advice. And, and, and yeah, to point out, I mean, I've thought about that, right? You know, like I'm, I'm blessed to uh, be here with my wife. And as I said, there was a shot that we could have been in different cities. And I think of people who are, you know, alone. I mean, I've got, I've got my wife here, I got my dog here, you know, and other people have their, you know, their kids and whatever. And, uh, and there are people who aren't uh, blessed enough to, to have anybody with them right now. So uh, that's a great... Well, I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I was fortunate. I was incredibly fortunate to be in uh, London speaking just literally the week before this started. And I got to spend some time with my parents on my way. And uh, yeah, it's made me very, very appreciative of that. When you know, when you say it's not, you know, I hadn't planned to be visiting them these few weeks, but it 
because I can't, it brings it home. So, you know, I'll try and find an opportunity to, to go and see them again very shortly, please God. So, yeah, it creates a different kind of awareness with, about, you know, the people that you can spend time with and your loved ones. So, uh, Fergus, this is great. And, and, and the work you do with, uh, you know, with, with, with leaders and high performers and, and entrepreneurs is, uh, you know, is crucial, I think, always, but certainly in this time. So, and you've given such great value. So if people want to find out more about you and uh, reach out to you and, you know, uh, find out more about what you do, what's the best place for them to do that? My website, fergusconnolly.com, F-E-R-G-U-S-C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. That's great. Okay. Uh, So definitely check it out there, folks. Uh, You know, that that, the website will be in the show notes. So, you know, if you're driving or not, uh, I always say that. I guess a lot fewer people are probably driving right now, but, um, but you know, if, if they're, they're on an exercise thing, bike, they're on an exercise exactly, bike. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you're on your Peloton or whatever, you exactly. know, uh, uh, yes. you know, and listening to this, just uh, check the show notes. You'll be able to get that. And uh, so Fergus, my final, final question on the, on the podcast is always about authenticity. It's one of my highest values. You and I actually had a brief conversation before we got on air about that. So, uh, you know, and for me, authenticity is not about external morals. It's, uh, it's really about alignment with, you know, inner truth and being connected to purpose and that kind of stuff. Um, so what does authenticity mean to you and how does it impact your life and then also what you do with your clients? Peace. To me, it's peace. You know, like I said, I stood on stage and, and spoke about the worst mistake that I ever made in my life. And it brought me peace. Being who you are and knowing who you are and being, you know, in alignment with that, like you said, you don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to think of creating an image or protecting an image. You are who you are. You know, that to me is, is authenticity. And those are authentic people are the people that I want to be around. And, you know, I say it many, many times, you know, perfect people aren't authentic, you know, and authentic people aren't perfect. And that's, those are, yeah, those are the kind of people that I really thrive and also, I'm at peace around. I love that. So that's a great note to end on. Perfect people aren't authentic and authentic people aren't perfect. I love that. Fergus, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm humbled and honored, Corey. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you discover the genius of deal-driven growth. You can be a friend of the show by leaving a review on the Good Pods app, podchaser.com, or any major podcast player. Every review helps the show reach more listeners. If you're ready to take your deal-making to the next level by becoming a master negotiator, head over to Amazon or Audible and grab a copy of my best-selling book, Authentic Negotiating. Then connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.